Cool, cool. Sweet. So it is recording. And uh, Wait, like right now? Yeah, right now. We are recording. Hold on, hold on. Just breathe. Okay. Breathe. And I think um, the one thing that I would say is we should probably be on the same side. Oh, okay. Because oh. Um, <laughs> this was the thing I learned the hard way. Is it's unidirectional, <laughs> so oh, like oh, yeah. it's a good microphone, but okay. you want it to face where you're going. Otherwise, yeah. So uh, here, let me move all this stuff. Um, projects for later, and uh, go ahead and sit there. And you don't have to be super close. It's more just like it's got to pick up from. It, it's got to point towards you. Okay, hello everybody. Welcome to uh, finally a new episode of a grand reflection. Uh, you might have noticed there in the beginning, I did a little bit of a candid clip, and there's another voice going on. Um, this is a really cool thing that happened, actually. Uh, so all of a sudden, I'm on this creative kick, and finally, finally, I'm ready to make a new episode. And I'm looking at all my old notes uh, for creativity, because that's what I want to talk about. And I have wonderful, wonderful information, but the problem is... Is it is uh, there is so much that it's hard to sort out. I can't find a flow to it. So I'm sitting there a few mornings ago, and I am trying to figure out what to do with all this. And as I'm sitting there trying to sort it out, I get a text message from an old friend, uh, my old friend Liam. Now you might hear me refer to him as Kyle as well. There's kind of some shady ground there. When he was younger, a lot of people called him Kyle. Um, his first name is actually Liam. Uh, so, uh, Liam Kyle Cahill is his name and, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a burp. Sorry about that. Uh, anyway, he is a, uh, a musician and I haven't talked to him in person in probably like seven years. So here I am doing this creativity podcast and I get a message from him and he says, Hey, do you still live in Bend? And I'm like, do I? Yeah. And he's like, well, do you have the day free? And I'm like, absolutely the only thing that I'm doing is I'm trying to create this podcast that I'm stuck on anyway. Uh, so we end up meeting up. We have this really great lunch where we catch up on life and we just start this swirling of ideas. And I go, you know what? Um, I was just going to like bounce off some ideas with him and mention him in the podcast. But to be honest, like the, the flow of conversation is going so well, we should just record this. Uh, so we end up doing that the next day. And initially, I thought this would be a really great opportunity to kind of play with the idea stemming off from the love episode where I wanted to get other people involved. My, my initial process was thinking that I would want to just have conversations with people, no pressure, um, record it in the background. And if there's something that ends up fitting later for a podcast, I can just kind of take that little clip and throw it in. And then that way, um, people don't have to feel the pressure to you know, talk for an entire hour on a single subject. And um, I can have them multiple times, even just stemming from one conversation. They can just show up on my podcast uh, by having little snippets of that conversation show up with different themes in different episodes. So that was the initial plan. But as I started talking with Kyle, uh, there's kind of a unique alchemy that happened because he is a musician and he is very close to the creative process where we ended up um, really honestly talking for a good half hour or more uh, just about all sorts of things swirling around um, art and beauty and creativity and all of that. So um, what I want to do is I'm going to send this one off now and uh, create it as a separate episode. 
so that we can just kind of enjoy that conversation and you guys can all be on the same page as me. Um, and then uh, the next episode, we'll be continuing off and stemming off from that and merging the stuff that me and him talked about with uh, other ideas that have been swirling around in my head. So I'm kind of just going to use it as a starting point, which is great because that's kind of what I do anyway uh, behind the scenes with the podcast. So it's just kind of letting you guys in on the process is I open myself up to a lot of conversations, a lot of ideas, and just kind of let them swirl around until connecting pieces just start to come together. So that's what I want to do. Here it is. I hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, more is coming soon. So without further ado, here is Liam Kyle Cahill. So kind of talking about like the challenges of like money making within creativity and like where's the good in that, where's the bad, <laughs> you know, because like obviously you don't want to be just some starving artist on the street, but you don't want to sell out. <laughs> you know, I it's can like talk about that? that a lot, yeah, actually. Exactly. That's why that one stood out because I was like, you've got a lot of firsthand experience with that yeah. uh, in some uh, probably really difficult ways and saw probably some really freeing ways too. Um, yeah. Do, and, do we want to start there? Yeah, let's just start there because okay. that's yeah, that's right. There. So so yeah, uh, that's always been something I've had a problem with. I think I've tended towards the idealistic end, where I go, this can't make money because I'm devaluing my art, and I have come to recognize over the last couple years, especially, that there's probably another side to that that uh, I'm missing out on um, because I'm creating too much of a dichotomy. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll just, I'll just let you talk. So I'll say this, is that um, I've been writing songs for about 12 years now. Right. And since I started writing, and I would honestly venture to say that most artists throughout all of history, 99.5, of artists are going to fall into this category of nearly everybody who ever creates art is going to put more money into their art than they will ever make back. Right, right. And, and I think that it's really important to know that up front. Right. That if you ever truly make a living off of your your art, you are in such a minority yeah. of people. So it's just realistic expectations. Like, look, this is part of the cost of making the art. Absolutely. You're going to be a starving artist. <laughs> well, and, well, maybe not. There's other... If you're going to do it full time. And, and, and there, there, are, there are ways to make that more workable than others. Different mediums will do better in different capacities. Right, exactly. So for me, as a musician, as a traveling songwriter... Right. Um, when I first went into it, I, I have a degree in geology... Right. I had the I, I have the ability to make good money. I was making good money. I quit that job to pursue music. And in doing so, knew that I was gonna be making a lot less money. Right. What I didn't realize was that it would take me two years to figure out how to break even. Wow. Okay. Which means that in two years of doing it, I continually lost money. Right. And so when I finally, when I honed my craft enough, made enough contacts, lived it for two straight years, finally about the last six to nine months, um, maybe the last year, I'll say, just for simplicity, Mm -hmm. I finally figured out how to float. I figured out Yeah, that's not making money. That's just not losing money. Exactly. And, and I'm decent at what I do. Like 
I, you know, I, not everyone is going to like the music that I make. Right. But I think that uh, people that are into, you know, folk rock or, or right. that, that kind of thing, I think. Right, it's got a market. It, it has yeah. a market. Finding that market, whole nother thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to, to put it lightly, I mean, Mumford & Sons and the Lumineers were really popular 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. They're not popular currently, nor is there anyone else that sounds like them. Like, my, my genre, I missed the bandwagon uh, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. of uh, money-making, of like mm-hmm. uh, being able to, to hope that I could have that sort yeah. of monetary ticket. Yeah, so that's that's an interesting thought. I mean, in one sense, that's kind of nice because it's like, okay, well, you don't really have to worry too much about uh, becoming a sellout, <laughs> <laughs> like, like you know, and just mm. making making the type of music because it's exactly what everybody wants in the moment. So there is a certain genuineness that comes from that. Yes and no. There definitely are aspects that I have become a sellout okay, and continue gotcha. to be a sellout. Okay, and I'll explain that. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. that um, it, it's twofold, really. So first and foremost, I go and I would play. I joke now. I call it the the bar and grill tour across America. Is what yeah, I yeah. what I now say that I did for nearly three years. Right. And I was playing every. I was taking every gig I could possibly take. I was averaging four shows a week a for lot. nearly three straight years. Yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And, and I had to book all those gigs. I had to drive to all those gigs. I had to figure out where I was sleeping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had to show, I had to uh, set up the gear. I had to bring the PA, set up the equipment, play the show, tear down. And so where I'm talking about how you have to sell out a little bit. I'm playing and I'm like, hey, here's a song I wrote. And someone goes, play Tom Petty. And you're like, okay, we'll like, play Tom ah. Petty. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll okay. play Tom Petty. Cause, and, and you're okay, like. so that's interesting. Like, yeah. hey, can you throw me a, a $5 tip at least? Yeah. I, I, I would sometimes joke and say like, hey, write that on the back of a dollar bill and put it in my tip jar and I'll play it. <laughs> Dang. Okay. So no, actually, that's a really good point. Um, so there is kind of this uh, this challenge of not selling out um, on the really popular end. Like, oh, this is what, what people want from me, what they expect from me, and um, I could lose the fame. But there's also this other end where it's like, you're just trying to make ends meet and mm-hmm. people want a certain thing. So it's hard to hold to what, uh, what your original, uh, passion or vision or whatever you want to call it was. So that's really interesting. That's a, I think that's another one of those things. I, I keep seeing this theme with creativity of like, it's all about straddling the lines of opposites. <laughs> and that seems like another one of those. For uh, sure. Wow. That's really interesting. I never, never actually <laughs> thought on that side of it. Um, there's one more aspect to it as well about quote unquote selling out. Yeah. And this is a, a much more subtle way. And I never would have noticed this, realized this, understood this until I did it. But when I was doing music full time, I found myself taking the better paying gigs simply because they were better paying. Hmm. Now, what I mean by this too. So like arguably the worst gig you can ever take is a casino gig. Right. Nobody's paying attention. Nobody cares. Yeah. You're literally background music. Right, exactly. But they'll pay me four to six hundred bucks to be there. Right, because they need the ambience. They want people to stay in the casino and all that. It's ulterior motives. But they don't care about you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, very, almost nobody cares about me. Almost nobody is there to listen to music. Mm. Very few people stop 
Very few people tip. Right. Very few Very people want to buy a CD. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm I'm just this thing. Uh, what's actually really funny to me, and I, it took me a long time to realize this, and I think it's hilarious. I would always make more tip money when I would make more mistakes. Hmm. Because I think that people thought I was a radio. And then all of a sudden, and then they go like, oh, I mess up. This guy's live. I mess up, and people <laughs> oh realize gosh. there's live music. Oh, that's it, so interesting. It's actually a you know, and and me, I'm definitely a perfectionist, and I dislike messing up a song. Yeah, yeah. But I started noticing a strong correlation between better tips, particularly in those kinds of gigs where your background music. Interesting. I would get better tips when I'd mess up more often. That's so interesting. <laughs> Yeah, it's well, funny. and I think that speaks wonders too. Like that's something that I've been kind of looking through with all this like creative process. Like we get so caught up in that perfection, and we think that that's going to be the the route that gets us there. Like if only I could make the perfect song, or paint the perfect picture, or or do the perfect performance, whatever. If only ever, if only I could get everything to line up absolutely perfectly, uh, then things will work out. Then 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 people will see that whatever that is in uh, that I, I'm feeling within me that I want to get out there. Um, I can I can liken that to something we talked about right before we started recording this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? So we were talking about um, artists who create pictures that are so real. Yeah. They look like a photograph. Right. So then people see it and they don't actually give credit right. to that being such an amazing piece of art right. because it's yeah. too perfect and they literally didn't know it wasn't a photograph. Yeah, definitely. Compared to, you know, I showed you my friend Katie's work. And Katie, like, it, it's very real. Right. But there's an element there's to it that you know element, that yeah. it's you know that it's her art. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit extra there. And it's not to say that she's um making a mistake. Not, yeah, yeah. It's uh but there is something about the personal aspect to it. Like it, it, if we're truly reaching perfection in the art, then it ceases to be a unique piece in a weird way. You know? Like if it's too uh, too exacting, too it, it loses its soul. It's weird. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know you know, and that's obviously like the weird balance because like you want to hone your craft. You want to get better at what you're doing. Um, but the moment you make it all about that, rather than the joy of creating it, you've kind of, you've lost the, the spark somehow. Mm-hmm. You, and it, and it uh, whether that's losing the spark in a creative capacity, like, um, uh, you know, creating cookie cutter photos that always look the same, or that's uh, losing the spark in a capacity like, okay, this is not fun to perform anymore. And nobody, <laughs> nobody cares, you know, or nobody's noticing. Uh, you know, that's a thing in animation, yeah. right? Is that if you make something too real, people find it creepy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I the Uncanny think, Valley. The yeah. Uncanny Valley, that's yeah. what it's called. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you got to have the imperfections. Otherwise, it, it doesn't... Um... Yeah, there's something deep within us that is averse to absolute perfection mm-hmm. in a weird way um or at least a certain type of perfection i think i think it depends on how you define it if you define it as um a, a, a concrete terms like a uh perfectly straight lines um everything in its specific box that we're super versed to that but but there's a different kind of perfection i suppose like uh like you know you can say like that you've had the perfect night you don't mean you know like or, or like a, a uh, a perfect sure. date with somebody. Sure. You don't mean that we arrived exactly at at, at four p.m. and uh, well, four p.m. date. 
Yeah. Right. Okay. Fine. Whatever. I just. <laughs> it's an all day date. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that, maybe that is the perfect yeah, date. Maybe so. But like, yeah. But you. But you know what I mean. Like. Um, you could say so. So the, there's like kind of these two definitions of perfect. There's the one that is like um, uh, perfect, like almost mathematical, like uh, uh, everything is in line and it's perfect box. Symmetric, yeah, symmetric. But then there's this other kind of way of perfect, which is more uh, narrative. It's more um, uh, that felt like a fairy tale. I don't. I. I it, it had its own dramas, but they all resolved and everything uh, felt right felt felt good maybe felt i think of that as like uh almost like i couldn't have planned that any better yeah if things things ooh things uh evolved yeah, yeah, so yeah. well and it unfolded so well that i couldn't have even planned it to be that good yeah okay so i think that that's actually a piece of it too right it's like um we uh when we plan something it becomes narrow and it can only be one thing and that's a known ent entity. Um, but if we allow for the uh, the messiness of stuff, the unexpected, like, uh, uh, oh, I did a chord wrong, but oh, wait, that actually kind of resonated. Wait, maybe I'll just change the song up and we'll do that. Uh, the, then, then it becomes uh, this more like an unfolding rather than this narrow destination uh, that needs to be reached. It becomes a... Uh, a, a growing, living, breathing thing. It's the happy accidents. Happy accidents, exactly. I, yeah. I actually have a song called My Sweet Anagram that in the recording, when I was recording it, um, it's a finger-picking song, and I accidentally hit a wrong note. Mm. It was so beautiful. Oh. And I've never been able to accidentally <laughs> do that again. But we caught it on the recording. Oh, it's perfect. I listened back to that because it has like this weird stutter to it, but it sounds so oh, good. That's great. And I cannot replicate it. <laughs> I have never replicated it again. Oh, man. But it was a perfect accident that happened to have been recorded. And I listen back, and that's my favorite part of the song. And I go, yeah, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> that's so <laughs> awesome, dude. That is so awesome. I think, um, yeah, you know, uh, the, uh, you listen to the Truth episode. So uh, there was the the stuff talking about like the left brain function functioning that is like logical thought out the right brain that's interested uh in the novel and the unknown and the the connections it just kind of rolls with things um that's what that sounds like to me is like you know if you'd been so caught up in this is how it has to sound you would have stopped right there when you messed up and be like no we got to redo it uh and then that wouldn't have, that wouldn't have existed mm -hmm. uh, so that, that's just I can That's assure it. you there's lots of examples like that in recording. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I can even know, I, I even know a, a few, like uh, Sweet Home Alabama, there's the Turn It Up, and that was just oh, because, yeah. like, that had nothing to do with the song, and that's the part that everybody freaking loves, and it was literally just him like, no, we need to adjust our equipment, and they just kept it in. Or the, uh, oh, uh, Green Day, Green Day's got it too. Fuck it. Uh, yeah, Shut exactly. Up and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, where he messes up the chord boom, at the beginning. Boom, boom, boom. Fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. I didn't think about that. But yeah, that is actually like some of the most brilliant uh, little pieces. Oh, that's super cool. Mm -hmm. Super, super cool. Uh, Dylan has a lot of it, actually. There's there's quite a few instances. Or like sense. him laughing, singing a word. And now, I mean, his laugh in the line becomes is, it. is part yeah. of the iconic okay. nature of the song. Okay, so that's actually a really 
really interesting point too is like the accidents become the piece itself uh, if you allow them to. And so, um, you know, there's there's this notion uh, the, 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 with the notion of perfection on, on kind of a meta level too is like, uh, okay, well, that was a happy accident, but moving on. But but sometimes those accidents change the whole direction too. Like they, um, oh, what am I trying to get to here? Like they create a, a, a new pathway or, or, or a new, um, uh, almost a new mode of being that spurs on more creativity. Um, we like we like to think that um, that the so-called failures of a creative process stop everything, and, and like are an interruption, or like ah oh, okay now I just gotta get back to to <laughs> that was a fun little diversion but okay so so I guess what I mean is uh, there, it it kind of kickstarts a little bit of play and not taking yourself so seriously that that breeds a whole. Uh, new level of genuineness like that kind of lets you get over yourself which is kind of what you need for creating something um i you know one of my favorite quotes is uh you know don't take yourself too seriously nobody else does yeah <laughs> like that and, and i have to remind myself that a lot uh i'm you know, actually, this is the perfect time to bring this up. I am trying to finalize a music video. In fact, I should show it to you. Yes. Man, this I, this couldn't even be more perfect Ooh. because I was supposed to get back to him two days ago with an answer and I haven't been able to decide what to tell him is that um, this new album, it's been four years in the making. I mean, I've lived it, breathed it, and paid for it Yeah, yeah. for years. And here I am at the final process. We got this music video and the, the you know, he's trying to sync up the lips yeah. to fit it perfectly with the song. And it's ever so slightly off and it oh. really, really bugs me and he doesn't see it. Oh. And I'm just like, but I, I then in the last few days, I showed it to a few other people. Everyone, I, sh I showed it to five people. Four of the five saw it. Yeah. Um... Two said absolutely fix it, and two were like, it's, it's really pretty good. You probably don't need yeah, to worry yeah, yeah. about it. So three out of five people were like, it's great the way that it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two out of five people were like, I see what you're talking about. Just tell them to fix it. Yeah. Me, I want it fixed super bad. Right. Um, but I'm like, am I just overreacting? Oh, uh, yeah. This is me and my perfectionism. Because I, I also very much know that it's not bad. That it does not look bad. Right. But I know it can look better. Right. Oh, see, and that's like such a hard, fine line to find with creativity, right? Because part of that perfectionism, if it's coming from the right place, uh, opens up possibilities, right? Like, uh, you know, I'm in the middle of my little business card, and I it, it was fine how it was, but I'm tinkering with it. And I'm going, oh, wait, no, this could be a little better. This could be a little better. This could be a little better. Uh, so it's weird. It's like it's like how do you find how do you get in the right mindset where that doesn't become an ego driven process where you're like, this is never going to be good enough. I need to make it good enough, otherwise I'm not good enough. Or or like this this notion of like finality to it. Or or on the other hand, a 
a open like play with it like where where it becomes an infinite game are you familiar with like the finite versus the infinite games like um you know like uh, sports are a, a finite mm-hmm, game because mm-hmm. there's an end you know yes. there's only so many quarters you gotta score so many points and it's done versus an infinite game which is uh as long as you want to keep playing you get to keep playing uh the mona lisa yeah exactly she was never done years years and years and he wasn't ever finished no. and it's brilliant and it's mm-hmm. great and there's like layers everywhere like like i think it was once a dude <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's all this like you're like what is going on um but yeah no exactly and so it's like so how do you enter into those processes where on the surface it looks the same where you are constantly tinkering and you are constantly kind of in a way criticizing the work where you're going like what is what are the things that could be better uh, but without turning that into um, a negative thing and keeping it as a positive thing, a play thing. Uh, and I don't know if I quite have an answer for that, but I certainly don't. I, <laughs> I struggle with it. Mm-hmm. I know I do. Um, although uh, to a certain extent, most of the time when I write a song, rarely do I go back and make any major changes. Sometimes I may tweak a word or two if something comes to me later. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I, you know, I've had people say, well, hey, mate, what if you changed it to this? Or what if you did this? And it's like, I already wrote the song. <laughs> it exists. You know, I think that, that's, that makes sense. That's healthy. Because then it creates a, um, there is a, a degree of perfection, but it's, it's not offsetted onto the individual object. Because I think sometimes we get in these modes where like, there's something that's good. And then we go like, this is the one. This is, this is my career defining. Uh, I, I've got to make it perfect because uh, this is, uh, the thing that's going to give meaning to my life, you know, like the the thing that's going to prove that I'm a real artist, that I'm <laughs> that I am it, that I got it, and then um, uh, yeah, and it just spirals downward when it's one single object. But uh, that totally switches it up. If you can let go of any individual thing, it becomes more like a process. I think that maybe that's the that's the true mark of the artist is being okay with going. Well, that's good enough. Moving on. I got another idea. Let's just yeah. go to the other thing. Let's let's check this thing out now. Honestly, that has been... So I, we talked about how I've been in a little bit of a creative rut. Yeah, yeah. And I part of that was 2020. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I had my friend fly out from uh, from Milwaukee. We wrote four songs in two weeks. Right. And then he left. And I haven't been able to finish <laughs> another else. song ah, again. Yeah, it's so the like, worst. <laughs> he, he was such a catalyst for my brain right. to move yeah um that we were able to to get a lot of stuff going uh now i have been a lot more creative since then in general right um and that's been a good thing and i think i'm like right on this creative cusp once again yeah you can kind of feel it sometimes huh? it carries and, you along yeah it's weird um you know and having lost my job last week I'm like well i'm gonna have more free time so that's part of said right yeah, yeah yeah but i also i just have all these feelings and i have all these ideas that have been for a year and a half, they've been getting stored away onto a bookshelf in my mind. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, what do you do? You think that there's anything um, specifically that's causing them to come to the surface now? Or do you think it was just the spark with your friend, or is there, is there like more? Uh, I, I think it's. I never think that it's one thing. Okay, yeah. I definitely think that there's uh, a whole cacophony of things that sort of play together. Uh, sometimes in concert and sometimes, you know, like, uh, 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 it's almost there. And then just one little thing tips it over mm. and all of a sudden you're flowing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that that very much could be where I'm at or where I'm about to be. And, uh, but where was I starting with this train of thought now? 
that's totally okay. Let's let's figure it out. I think um, that's part of the messiness of it. Um, well, there was a there was a a point I was trying to make with that, and then right as I got to there, I was trying to remember what my original thought was. Um, perfectionism. Yeah. Rewriting. See, rewriting. Um, uh, bunch of stuff swirling. Creative process kicking back up. Uh, rewriting has been a funny thing. I've only ever rewritten a song one time ever, and it actually was an amazing rewrite, and I'm really, really, really glad I did it. I, it I almost played it for you today. Oh, sweet. Um, and I always, I like to joke a lot of times now when I play that song, it's the most loving song I've ever written. Mm. I wrote it, at, so initially I wrote it as a song for my friends Natalie and Jade when they got married. Okay. And it was for them specifically. Right. And that was why I had multiple people be like, we really like this song, but it's too specific. Mm, you should rewrite so you this it, yeah. so that anyone could hear this song and say, that could be me. I like that, yeah. Um, and I rewrote it, and now I've played it at a multitude of weddings. And, um, and it's, I honestly think that it's arguably the most... Um, universal song i've ever written mm. where um i'm so proud to present that to people and say here is this like beautiful love song that can be played at a wedding and and it's mostly serious but there's a couple little jokes in it yeah um and and it's just a very if i if i say so myself a very charming song mm. and what's so funny to me is that it's bullshit <laughs> because because uh. I wrote about how I would feel if I got married mm. and I have never been, been married. married yeah. okay, so, so it's this movie-esque yeah, yeah. like, version of what it is, which honestly, I have a tendency to write very first person, very like yeah, literal, very this is what yeah, happened yeah. to me yeah, and yeah. these are my experiences. And so it's a lot less often that I just... I could say anything. Yeah. Um, and, and so in that song, I, I just, I picked this idealized love. And you know what? People wanted a wedding. Idealized, idealized love. love. There's a place for it. Yeah. So that's interesting too, because that's another thing that I've been thinking about. It's like the specific versus the universal. Like to a certain degree, any uh, art for it to be understood by an audience has to have a universality to it because otherwise they'll be like, I, I can't connect with this. I don't understand what you're even trying to go for. Right. But there is the other end there, which is um, generally you go too far that direction <laughs> and then it's not outside of certain contexts, you know, like a wedding or something like they have their place. But by, by and large, uh, it falls short for people and they go like, OK, this is too generic, too generic. Or... Yeah, yeah, it's too generic. It, it doesn't feel and somehow that doesn't ring true, too. So there's this interesting balance, it seems like, between um, Hitting on the universal, like finding the, the the sort of absolute truth in it, and then also expressing your individual uh, uh, experience uh, and bringing that to the table. Um, and I, I don't know, um, I don't know how to find the balance. That's another one of those balance things too, right? Like the, another one of those like balance, like you, you got to find that narrow middle spot between um uh what only you can bring into the world 
and what somebody else will understand. <laughs> so, absolutely. And so, like, for me, the climax of that entire song, yeah. and, and to me, the payoff line of the entire song is um, in the third verse going into the final chorus. Yeah. And I say... Uh, What is that? It's basically, here's a vow that I, like, here's what I promise to say to you. I can't think of the exact line. Going <laughs> yeah, into yeah, it. And like... then I say, I will love you more than babies, ice cream, puppies, chocolate, whiskey, and wine. Combined. And then, like, people chuckle. Yeah. Like, it's like yeah. this very serious, <laughs> yeah. like, loving, like, oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then people hear that, right? And I, I wrote down, okay, what stereotypically like, do what women so, love? Yeah. You know? Babies, ice cream, puppies, chocolate, whiskey, and wine. And all of those things combined. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, it, and that's where it's like, it's cutesy, but it was also very much me. Like, I'm very much like... Right, yeah, yeah. I, so you are putting yourself in it. Even, yeah. Even in the uh, generic, like, like, even though it's not a direct story from your life, it, it's got your own, uh, your own little spin, your own little Eunice there. Mm -hmm. Okay, so maybe maybe that's that's the answer of it is is like a, it is a full spectrum, but there is a, a interplay, a combining, so not necessarily uh, abandoning either side of that, but integrating the two in a unique way, which is which is to say, like, do I bring myself through the lyrics and, and an event in my life, or do I bring it through uh, the way that I'm singing the song, through the way that I'm using words, uh, and then the universality. Am I bringing the universality through? Um, a specific event that anybody could resonate with, like losing a job or something, even though it's specific to me? Or um, is it something way, way universal like love, but then I'm, I'm combining it with the other stuff? Uh, but that's exactly why I think love songs are so popular. I think so, too, Is yeah. because everyone has felt love, yep. and pretty much everyone has been dumped at some point. Yeah. And so... Those emotions, when people hear that kind of song, they can, they can certainly connect with it. Yeah. There is some, I don't know who it is, like Rilke or somewhat, you know, uh, are you familiar with uh, Letters to a Young Poet? Yeah, yeah. Maria Rilke? Rainer Maria, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Rainer Maria Rilke. Yep. So um, I, I'm pretty sure it's in that book they describe how... Um, Writing about love is like you have to be so skilled to do it well. Mm. Anyone can write about love. Right, because it's an experience that everybody's had. But because it's an experience that someone has, you better make it so profound. What uh, you're going to say, you have to stand apart from what everyone else is saying because everyone's right, talking about it. it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So that's that's an interesting thing too. Is 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 there's kind of this straddling line, but like the more universal a, um, a of a truth there is that you're trying to represent, the more difficult it can be to not make it cliche. Mm -hmm. um, and and of course, love is one of the biggest ones for that. Which uh, you know is a is a very big through line with the creativity. Uh, I think uh, on a meta level, creativity is an act of love. Um, so like, you know, you're, you're, you're doing an act of love by describing an act of love <laughs> and like, um, that can be challenging because you're also in it too. Right. So like, um, how do you make, how, how do you stay 
objective, I guess. <laughs> well, not that you can, obviously. I, I think that people think that they're outside of whatever they're creating sometimes, you know, like, oh, this is the absolute truth that I'm getting at, you know, but, but it's always going to have your own perspective on it. I, I have actually come to the uh, personal opinion that there's no such thing as absolute truth mm. or very few absolute truths yeah, that yeah. I should say is that so many things really are relative truths. I'm not like, I'm not like arguing alternative facts right, by any right, means. Right. But I, I think that just like you go through a breakup and you'll have a version of the story and the other, your partner will have a version right. of the story. Any, are you those false? And they're not necessarily no. false. Yeah, they might be contradictory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they may be. But they're not, yeah, but they're both a true, a true to that experience. Um, and, and maybe that speaks to why art is so difficult because it's that inner subjectivity that makes art art. And that's also what makes it so difficult to, uh, to plan art, right? Like I'm doing this podcast and it's been like eight months. And that was the time it took for it all to come into my mind and stew. And, and, and uh, I could not schedule it to be like, okay, in two weeks I'm going to do this. In two weeks I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you can. But it's always like this weird ground of like, okay, there are times where I need to do that. And I need to plan things out. And I need to be structural about it. But uh, it never, because of the nature of that subjective truth within the art, uh, it being in a totally different realm than the, uh, you know, like uh, exactly three days from now and uh, exactly this length and mm-hmm. exactly these tools that I'm going to use. Uh, it's, it's a really weird interplay that you're using all these exact things <laughs> to portray something that is uh, otherwise unportrayable. It's really weird, really strange process and a weird alchemy too, like, you know. I mean, a painter is using very specific brush strokes, a, a very specific brush size, the, the, the right canvas, um, the right paints, uh, to give us something that hints at something we can't put into words. Uh, it's weird. And sometimes those little things, like the type of paint you're using, mean something to the artist that won't mean something to right. anyone else. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like... Um, uh, using uh, like a, a one orange over the other, and then mixing it to make a different orange, or even as the as the as a songwriter would be like, oh no, I need to change that word. That word bothers me right there. Yeah. It's not nobody's saying gonna, what I meant. Nobody's going to gonna notice. No one difference. would necessarily yeah. get it, or or like yeah. have had any aversion to the word, or felt like it could have been better, or felt like it needed yeah. to be changed. And any one word is not going to change the whole song. No. Um, but the weird thing about all that is like that attention to detail and that, I, I guess that's the craft side of it. Correct. Uh, having that craft uh, really uh, aids in the creativity. It opens up possibilities in a lot of ways uh, where the end product has a deeper, more profound result to whoever is experiencing it. Like, they might not notice that you changed uh, of to two, but um, if you hadn't gone through all those little tweaks and refining processes, they might have not even liked the entire song. They might have just been like, that's stupid. Correct. Uh, and then, but but because of those tiny, in perspective, those tweaks, it becomes uh, like one of their favorites, which is so weird because it's like, 
uh, maybe it just speaks to the interconnectivity of everything. And maybe that's part of, uh, of art is like, you try to separate it, it out any one thing in the process that made the art and you can't. You can't say like, you can't even put a number on it. You can't even be like, oh, this, this of to two made it 10% better. You know, <laughs> like there's no, there's no quantifying it. Yet at the same time, it is a known quantity to change of to two, right? Like it, it is a, this is one word and I'm changing it to an exact other word. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just such a weird, weird thing with the creative process where you're going from metrics and data and uh, exactness. And then the end result becomes so much more than that. And and those little tweaks matter somehow. Mm-hmm. It's weird. I don't know. Um, I'm looking at the time. Mm-hmm. This is probably a good point to pause for a minute. And, well, pause for... A know, week? A week. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and we'll pick it back up. But, uh, dude, that was, that that was, was good. good. That was good. It was really good. I love it.